Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 6. I listened to an interview uh, that was of this uh, pastor who is a pastor in China. And he pastors a church that is underground because the majority of evangelical, like the majority of gospel preaching, Bible-centered churches in China have to be underground. And what underground means is not legitimately under the ground, but like uh, with the government unaware, right? So the government is communist, so they kind of crack down on how those things roll. So if you are a gospel preaching, Jesus-centered, about the scriptures church, then the government wants to find you and end that reality. And so I listened to this, I listened to this interview with this guy, and uh, he was talking about what it was like to have a church that is underground. He said before that, that the police have broken in, 40 to 50 police have broken into their gathering during the middle of their gathering and ended it, like took their chairs and took their projector and took people with them and said, this is over. If you gather again, we're going to fine you. Okay. If you gather again, we're going to tell the people of the house that you gather in to, to, to tell you to stop, that you cannot gather. We're trying to stop you. They kept gathering. The next time, 150 to 200 police showed up. Can you imagine that scenario? Us sitting in here, 150 to 200 police of the government show up and say, you're done, get out. They rip the projectors off the ceiling, they grab me, they grab Patrick, and they're like, we're out of here, we're taking you to jail, you're done, you cannot do this. And he keeps gathering. He talks about how he has been to jail somewhere around 20 times for this. And now he's not in jail, and so the guy asks in the interview, the guy who's interviewing this pastor from China says, hey, are you fearful of going back to jail? He says, if I'm honest, yeah, I'm fearful. I'm scared to go back to jail. But this is what he says. But if it's the purpose of God for me to go to jail, then that's what I have to do. That's not my answer in that scenario. That's probably not your answer in that scenario. Maybe like in our best of moments, we're like, of course it would be my answer. But in the face of that scenario, you know what I'm doing? I'm shaking my fist at God and saying, I'm trying to do what you wanted me to do, and you're making it cost this. But that guy says, if the purpose of God is for me to go to jail, then it's what I have to do. And that's what I have to do. So my question is, why, why would he be that way? What in him makes him say those things, live that way, continue to gather? If I can put it in my own words, I think it's this. That he knows that in order to be faithful, he needs to remain devoted to God, even if doing so comes at a really high cost. Now, why do I tell you that? Because this is what it looks like to live in exile for us. That sometimes being faithful in exile looks like remaining devoted to God, even if the cost is high. If you'll remember, we've been in this series for a few weeks called Unshakable. 
And what we're doing is looking at certain scenes from the first six chapters of the book of Daniel and grabbing principles from how those people lived faithfully to God in exile. Remember, they were living in the land that God had promised, disobeying God, bowing down to idols. So God in his sovereignty sends Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, to come and take over. And they take them into exile, a place that is not their home. It is not what God had planned for them. It was not God's best. And Nebuchadnezzar takes them and they are now exiles in the land of Babylon under the reign of the king. And he takes them and he tries to make them Babylonian. They are living in a foreign land, a place that is not their home. We're looking at this because if you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, you live in exile now. The Bible describes you as a stranger, as an alien, as a sojourner, as an exile, because this is not your home if you're a follower of Jesus. This is not as good as it gets. The scriptures say that your citizenship is in heaven. And so the question that you should be asking is, okay, if that's the case, then how do I live faithfully in however many years God has given me here? How do I live faithfully to God in exile? And so we've looked at a few scenes in Daniel. We looked at the first one when he refuses the king's food. And we said that faithfulness, faithfulness in exile is refusing to partake in what is culturally normal or most popular for the sake of being obedient to God. Fast forward to chapter 3. We looked at three different guys, not Daniel, but three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar's like, hey, I want the statue. When the music plays, bow down to it, worship it. This is your God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, no, man, we're not doing that. And the government brings them in. They're like, hey, these three guys, when the music plays, they're not bowing down. Nebuchadnezzar's like, hey, I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to play some music. Go ahead and bow down to the idol. And they say, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, no. I'm going to throw you in the furnace, guys. That's fine. Our God is going to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to you. Teaching us that faithfulness in exile is when your obedience and allegiance to God is not dependent on your circumstances or your deliverance from those circumstances. Last week, we were going to do Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Calls some folks in to interpret it. He's kind of freaking out about it. They can't figure it out. He calls Daniel in to interpret it. Daniel can interpret it. And this is the interpretation of the dream. Hey, king, you're going to get dethroned. God is going to humble you because you're full of pride. And Daniel speaks that to the king. This is what God is teaching you, showing us that faithfulness in exile is being willing to speak the truth of God regardless of what it might cost you to do so. Nebuchadnezzar's reign ends. His son comes to the throne. His reign ends by the Persian kingdom taking over. So it's not Babylon anymore. Now the Persian kingdom has taken over. And now the people of God are still in exile, but they're under the reign of the Persian kingdom and a king named Darius. That's where we'll find ourselves in Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 6. So follow along with me. We'll read a pretty good chunk to grab some of this story. And then we'll do, we'll observe it. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the, of the 
kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the kingdom should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petitions to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Okay, so here's the scene. They come in. They're like, yo, we're mad at Daniel. We don't like him. So king, make this law that says for the next 30 days, you cannot pray to your God. You have to pray to the king as if he is your God. Cool? Now, we're tracking with me? Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God and he had, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Okay, so back, this is the scene. They make the law. Daniel goes and prays. They knew that would happen. They catch him praying. And so they go and they turn him into the king. They're like, hey, he wasn't following the law that you wrote. Don't you have to do something about it? The king's like, I really want to do that. Like, he's kind of my boy. I, I, I really favor him. And they tell the king, you can't go back on the law that you have made. Verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. So this is the principle. Faithfulness in exile looks like remaining devoted to God, even if doing so comes at a high cost. Now, what does that look like for Daniel? What does this kind of faithfulness look like for Daniel? Okay, so the Persian kingdom had taken over. Daniel was so popular with Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon that the Persian kingdom takes over. And they're like, hey, you're pretty valuable, so we want you to be in the government. So they make him a ruler. He's like the king's right-hand man. And this is what happens. Look at verse 4. Then the high officials and the satraps, those are like the governors of the area, sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or, or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So here's the plan that they made. They say, look, we cannot find any flaw in him which the king is going to be mad at. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to figure out a scenario where we can craft something where Daniel's going to have to choose. Obey the king or obey the law of your God. We're going to put him in that scenario. 
And as we read, Daniel chooses obedience to his God, devotion to his God, in the face of that law, showing that devotion to his God is far more important than whatever it might cost him. So then what does that faithfulness look like? The first thing is this. Faithfulness in exile looks like refusal to stop praying to the one true God in the face of this government law. That's what it looks like for Daniel. You'll remember, he hears that the law has been signed, and what does he do? He goes back to his house, and he prays, just like he had been doing three times a day. They catch him praying. They knew he would be there, but he refuses to stop. Because he knows. Faithfulness in exile looks like remaining devoted to God, even if it comes at a high cost. He knew, I'm gonna, I heard the law was signed. If I go pray and they catch me, I'm going to the den of lions. And he does it anyway. Because devotion to his God was better than whatever it was going to cost him to not. What else did it look like for Daniel? The second thing is this. Faithfulness in exile looked like refusal to treat the king as God or God's representative. They made, they made this law and say, hey... You have to bow down, you have to petition, you have to ask of the king treating him as God, or at the very least, God's representative. Daniel's a Jew. He would have had it ingrained in his mind, no other gods, no other gods, no other gods. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is no other God but Yahweh. We will not bow down. To you, King, we will not come and petition you. I will pray to Yahweh and Yahweh alone. He chooses devotion to his God, even in the face of a high cost, because that's what faithfulness in exile looks like. What will it look like for us? What will it look like for us to remain devoted to our God even when it comes at a high cost? It might like it might look like. You refusing to stop sharing the gospel even though you get socially shoved out for it. It might look like you continually showing up, you continually talking about what God's doing in your life, you continually talking about what God's teaching you, you continually telling people Jesus is the better way even when they say you are annoying because you know faithfulness in exile looks like devotion to God even in the face of a high cost. What else does it look like? It looks like refusing to participate in what might be culturally normal, but God calls it sin. For instance, how people view and use social media. It's normal For people to view social media as a place to find identity, to find worth, to find value, likes and comments and views, and they live for it. And that's become culturally normal. It's been valued by by our generation. But to do so is to bow down to an idol, and God calls that sin. Maybe it's not social media for you. 
Maybe it's just the normalcy of sexual content in the media that you watch. You, it, is, it is difficult to be on a computer, to watch a movie, to watch a TV show without some kind of over-sexualized content being in front of you. And we view it because we think it's just normal. Because we have been, we have been discipled by our culture that this is normal. All the while, God is saying, that is outside of my design. That is sin. And so perhaps faithfulness in exile in that scenario looks like you choosing devotion for your God even if it costs you viewing things that are popular. And maybe it's not social media or media. Maybe it's about how we talk about other people. It's really common for us to share other people's business as if it is our business. It's really common for us to talk about a scenario, for us to pass on a rumor, for us to pass on something we heard as a means for us to feel like we're on the inside. And the Bible calls that gossip, and the Bible calls that sin. And so maybe faithfulness will look like you choosing devotion to your God and staying out of the circle that has some juicy news about whatever's going on in your, li- in your friend's life. And maybe it's not media, maybe it's not social media, maybe it's not gossip. Maybe it's interactions with the opposite sex. It's become culturally normal to push the boundaries physically. It's become culturally normal to talk about the opposite sex in a way that is not honoring to them as people who bear the image of God. It's become culturally normal to talk to the opposite sex in a way that's not honoring or loving to them. One example is this. By us pitching out this phrase like it's no big deal. I love you. You're 14 and you're vomiting to some kid. I love you. You don't love them. You feel something for them, but it's not love, friends. You might get caught up in all of that. Because it's culturally normal. I mean, it's just what people say, right? But maybe faithfulness in exile will look like you choosing to be devoted to God. Even if it costs you saying what is normal. Proving to some guy or some girl that you're committed to them with a phrase that doesn't actually mean anything to you. Maybe it's the way that you view authority. It's culturally normal for us to consistently think this. My parents are the worst. It's culturally normal for teenagers to rebel against authority, for them to have no respect for authority. You live in a society where it's culturally normal for a teenager, for people to be entitled I'm 13. Of course I deserve an iPhone 14. And we think that's just what we're owed. And we think nobody knows better than me. Nobody is smarter than me. 
we display that with the way that we speak to authority, whether that's your parents, whether that's teachers, or the way that we speak about authority. And maybe you're, maybe you're nice to their face, but you're awful to them behind their back. And so maybe, maybe faithfulness in exile looks like you remaining devoted to God, even if it means that you have to humble yourself under authority. Because that's what it costs. That's what it costs. So here's the question. What's it going to require us of us to live faithfully like this? What is required of us in order to be the kind of people that say, we are going to choose devotion to God even if it comes at a high cost? What's going to be required of us? The first thing is this. We have to be willing to pay the cost for whatever it is to remain devoted to God. We have to be willing to pay the cost for being devoted to God. We have to be willing to pay the cost for being devoted to God. Look back at verse 4. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. What did it cost Daniel? At the very least, he got socially shoved out. He was living faithfully. The other people were observing that and they were like, we don't like you. So let's figure out a way to get you out. He lives faithfully to God. He chooses devotion. And it costs him. If you live faithfully, it may cost you socially. You might get shoved out. And that is not a means for you to shake your fist at God and say, what's the point of this? No, no. We should say, we expected this. This is what's happened to people of God for thousands of years who've lived devoted to you. It might cost you socially. The second thing, jump down all the way to verse 11. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. He was praying to God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, that's the law they put in place, O king, Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Hey, king, didn't you make this law? You can't break it, right? Verse 13. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed but makes his petition three times a day. What does it cost Daniel? False claims are made about him. They say, don't you see, king? He pays you no attention. Almost as if they're saying, he has no respect for you. That's obviously not true. Daniel was raised to the second in command. Daniel had favor of the king. That's proven by the king's grief in the very next verse. But they come and they make it as if Daniel is the victim. They don't even call him. They don't even call him a high official. You know what they call him? He's one of those exiles from Judah. 
They demote him. Hey, king, don't you remember these scrub exiles? Daniel's one of them, and he doesn't respect you. So perhaps you live faithfully to God. You choose devotion. You choose God's way. And you might have people spread all kinds of things about you. You might have people say all kinds of things about you that aren't true. It's part of the cost. Should you speak what is true? Yes. But this is part of the cost of living faithfully. Last thing we find in verse 14. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. They're like, look, you're freaking out about this, but you can't change your mind now, king. Verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the signet of his lord's that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, spent the night fasting, no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. The last thing that it might cost you is position, is status, and for Daniel, life. At the very least, choosing devotion to God Daniel knew when he went back to his house to pray, he knew the law had been signed. If, if they catch me, at the very least, I'm going to lose my position and I'm in the right hand of the king. At the very least, I'm going to lose my status. I'm favored by the king. But at the worst, they're going to throw me in the den of lions and I could lose my life. But he chooses devotion to God anyway regardless of how high the cost might be. And that's just not Old Testament, friends. Jesus says similar stuff to followers of him in Matthew chapter 16. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man gain in return for his soul? Jesus says, if you want to follow me, here are the requirements. Deny yourself, take up your instrument of torture, and lose your life. Anybody in? Jesus is saying, if you want to be devoted to me, there's a cost. So maybe if you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, oh, hold on, man. Let's just pump the brakes on this thing. You're saying that faithfulness in exile looks like choosing devotion to God, even if the cost is that high? Why would I want to do that? Maybe you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, you see, this is why I don't believe this stuff. Who would want to do that? You know who would want to do that? People that know. 
that what they are gaining in being devoted to God far outweighs whatever it will cost them. Daniel knew. I could pray to the king and not go in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, we could just bow down to the statue and not go in the fiery furnace. But you know what that would cost us? It would cost us devotion to God, and that cost is way too high for us. So they choose devotion to their God, saying, what we gain, staying devoted to God, far outweighs whatever it costs. And follower of Jesus, look at me. For the rest of your life on earth, when you choose to be devoted to Jesus and follow his way, what you gain will always, always, always outweigh what it costs you. How, Cade? Because you gain Jesus. You gain eternal life. You gain the family of God. You gain the power of the Spirit. That's way better than a boyfriend. That's way better than popularity. That's way better than likes. That's way better than pushing the boundaries physically. That's just way better. And so staying devoted to Him, that gain far outweighs what it will ever cost you. So pay the price, friends. Because Jesus is way better. Way better. The last thing that it will require of us to live faithfully like this, for sure, we have to be willing to pay the cost. The second thing is this. In order to live faithfully, we have to trust in God's faithfulness to us. We have to trust in God's faithfulness to us. Look at verse 19. And then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came near to the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the king or from the den of lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. In order for you to live faithfully to God where you are in 2019 and on as a follower of Jesus, you have to be convinced that God will never fail you. That he is always faithful to you. To deliver you and to deal with the evil done toward you. Daniel trusts God to deliver him. And he does. Does that mean it will always be easy? No, because God, God will either deliver you from the scenario, or God will deliver you through the scenario. But either way, God delivers. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were convinced of this. Look, king, our God is going to save us. But even if he doesn't, 
We're not bowing down to you. He is faithful. And he will save us from the fire or through the fire. He never lets us down. So followers of Jesus in 2019 League City, Texas, when you choose devotion to God, it will cost you. But be reminded what you gain far outweighs the cost. And God is not going to let you down. He will not fail. He cannot fail. So hold on to him and say, I'm going to live your way no matter what it costs me. Because your way is best. Look at what happens. Look at what happens. Go down to verse 25. Here's the result of faithfulness. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Check this out. From the Persian king who does not acknowledge Yahweh. This is what he says about God. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. What's the result of us living faithfully where we are in exile? People will see it and be drawn to our God. And if that is not the best kind of reward, then I don't know how to convince you otherwise. When people see you choose devotion to God and it come at a cost and you not turn and shake your fists and you not back out on God, but you stay devoted to him. When people see that, they will say, that is strange. And if you're willing to do that, then God must be great. And people will be drawn in to the God who's worth the cost never fails.